Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I want everybody to remain standing for just a moment as we read this Bible declaration. If we can put it up on the screen, if you can... I want everybody to hold their Bible high up in the air. If you have it on your iPhone, smartphone, your hard copy Bible, I want you to say this. Say, this is the infallible, undisputed, and inerrant Word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truths. God... I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I read this, I want to take a moment to recognize my good friend, Stephen. It was his birthday yesterday. Can we just give him a hand clap? My friend. My faithful friend, God bless you. Happy birthday. I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing for you, but uh, amen. Well, let's, uh, let's read this together. Thanks, Dean. We're going to be going to heading way south. I know I don't spend a ton of time in the Old Testament, but we are going to be going to Second Chronicles chapter 5, a little bit of a lengthy read. We will be reading from verse 1 to verse 14. So we will be reading the whole chapter. I'm going to break some religious rules by reading a lot this morning, but I believe it's absolutely necessary. Uh, For those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, I pray that this message truly impacts you and blesses you. And may the anointing that we are feeling and will feel as it increases throughout the service, we pray that it moves through that uh, TV screen, that that, uh, phone screen and touches you right where you are, and may Jesus use it to draw you to himself. Amen. So, Second Chronicles chapter 5, I'll begin reading, and it says, So all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. Say finished. He was building God's house. I'll, I'll travel south and, and, and later and maybe let you know exactly what this led up to, but the Lord had spoke to him. He's now built God's house, and he said it was finished. And Solomon brought in the things which the, his father David had dedicated, the silver and the gold and all the furnishings, and he put them in the treasuries of the house of God. God cares about what you put and bring into his house. Say amen. amen. He cares. Verse 2 says, Now Solomon assembled the elders and all of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the, and the chief fathers of the children of Israel in Jerusalem so that they might bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord up from the city of David, which is Zion, which Zion means praise. Verse 3, Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with the king at the feast, which was in the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came And the Levites took up the ark. Do you know what the Levites were? 
It was the Ascension worship team. No, it was, <laughs> they were the worshipers. They were just the worshipers. Say worshipers. Yeah, that's what Levites were. That's where, that's where we get worship teams from out of the Bible and services. They, would, they were called Levites. They would play instruments and they would minister unto the Lord. It's something that King David, Solomon's father, instituted before Solomon's reign. And so all the elders of Israel came and the Levites took up the ark and they brought the ark up and the tabernacle of meeting and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle and the priest and the Levites brought them up. Also, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him before the ark were sacrificing. Now notice this, they were sacrificing, say sacrificing. Sheep and oxen, we were kind of talking about finances, but finances are a way to sacrifice, but they were using livestock. Watch what happens because of their immense sacrifices. They were sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered because of the multitude. And then the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place, meaning the Holy of Holies, under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the Ark and the cherubim overshadowed the Ark in its poles. And the poles extended so that the ends of the poles of the ark could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from the outside. Everybody understands I've taught on the, the tabernacle of Moses. It was comprised really of three sections. One would be the outer court, say the outer court. This was like a mobile church, okay, in the wilderness. An outer court, say outer court. Then there would be an inner court or the holy place, say the inner court or the holy place, same. And then there would be the holy of holies where only the priest was allowed to go to offer sacrifice and burn incense and so on. Does that make sense? And there they are to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets or the Ten Commandments, which Moses had put there in Horeb or Horeb. When the Lord had made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they had come out of Egypt. And it came to pass that when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were presented had sanctified. Now notice this. I want you to notice two things in this. The amount of sacrifices that were made. Say sacrifices. And all of the priests. You know what? Did you know that the Bible says that you are priests unto God now? You, you didn't know this. When you minister unto the Lord, when you worship him, you in the spirit become a priest. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So notice what they did. The amount, two things, the amount of sacrifices that they made and the priests had sanctified themselves. Do you know what sanctification means? To be set apart. That's what the word holy comes from, is derived from. Holy means to be set apart. Sanctified means to be set apart or purified for God. Set apart. Say set apart. So they sacrificed and they sanctified or put themselves apart without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites, who were the singers, there it is, all those of Asaph and Hermon and Judithan with their sons and with their brethren stood in the east, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen. I love that. Having cymbals, string instruments, keyboards. All right, I don't say keyboards. Drums. Drums and harps, 
and with them 120 priests standing with the trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound. Look, there was unity. Okay, notice this. This is what's jumping out to me this morning. They sanctified themselves. They made sacrifices and they were in unity. Did you know that today, I didn't know this when I woke up this morning, today is Pentecost Sunday in the Hebrew, Hebraic calendar. Say Pentecost Sunday. It almost sounds familiar that they were all with one voice and one accord and they weren't talking about a Honda. They were all in one accord with one voice and what happened they were in unity and one accord and it says a sound came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting so they're all in unity and it came to pass that when the trumpets indeed indeed it came to pass that when the trumpets and the singers were in were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they had lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Now this is why I'm here this morning, this verse right here. It came to pass that the house, what house? The house of the Lord. Everybody say the house of the Lord. It was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering. Why? Because of what? Because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. You may have your seats. Today, I want to quickly, for the next just few moments, it'll be just for the next few moments. I believe today's message is, well, I know it's going to be short, yet I pray that it pierces your heart, but I want to minister from a subject called the cloud. Everybody say the cloud. I was asked, I'm asked all the time, what is your vision for this house? What is your vision for this house? I think it can look in many different ways, but the message I'm about to release right now is going to give you an indication of where my heart is at. And I will try to bear it as much as possible because what you see happening here is what my heart is for this generation. It is is for God to so visit and touch his people. I was coming in from my office just right before service started and I heard a roar and the pastor wasn't in the room conducting the meeting. I almost stood out there and wept, but because I had to get to service, I came in because I'm after a sound. I know that sounds really weird. Some of this may not resonate with you, but hopefully by the end of this, it will. What I mean is by a sound, if I, if I could, if it, that's the only way I can describe it is that when God truly visits a people, and, and I was talking to my good friend Rick this past week. I'll circle back on what I'm about to say and finish that up. Sometimes I go down rabbit holes. 
I was talking to Rick and I said, I know we'd like to think God is everywhere, but, and he is, it says that he is omnipresent. Do you know what omnipresent means? It means he's everywhere at one time, but God doesn't dwell everywhere. He doesn't, does that make sense? Like he's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you. Say he's with me, but he doesn't live everywhere. He doesn't dwell everywhere. He doesn't make every place his house. And, and we see that here because there was already a temple, right? The temple was made. They started furnishing it, putting whatever they wanted to, all the accruedments, the Ark of the Covenant. And then once the stage was set, then the glory of the Lord fell. When there was unity, it wasn't just the items that got put in there, like the, the sacraments, right? The brazen altar, the Ark of the Covenant, supposedly where the glory of God dwelt. Are you guys following me? The glory of God didn't come there. God didn't show up in the power of his glory through a cloud, it says, the Bible says, say a cloud. In other words, God's tangible presence came down and visited a people and didn't stop and leave. He dwelt there. And it says there was such a weight in the room that the priests could not minister. They couldn't preach. They couldn't sacrifice. They couldn't do anything. Do you know what I'm truly after? This is what I'm after, is to create a, dwell, a place where God wants to come and dwell. And it goes far beyond the building. Because it says they were in unity. They were singing. God is looking for a place not made with human hands. He, he, he doesn't dwell in tents. He doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells within the human heart. But when a company of people who have him dwelling in their heart come together, God decides to come in and visit those type of people and dwell in that type of atmosphere. I would love to say that God is in every church. But I think you and I have both been to meetings where you couldn't wait until he gave the benediction. I've been in my own meetings where I'm like, man, I wish he would just quit. Say amen, Dean. My heart is to see God so dwell among his people and for us to experience such a richness of his presence that we wouldn't have to give altar calls. There are days, there were days like that. My first three years, I was totally set apart and consecrated to the Lord. I didn't hardly see anybody. I had all my friends cut me off. For three years, all I had was me, Jesus, and the Bible. And I would go into meetings that my knees would tremble. As soon as I walked in the room, I would tremble. And for three years, I experienced that. Three to five years. Went to the same church for about 10. I experienced God meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And can I tell you something? When you truly taste the Lord, and you taste and you see that he is good, and truly experience his presence, notice I didn't say experience a church. Notice I didn't say experience a sermon. I'm talking about experiencing the Lord Jesus himself by the way of his presence, by the Holy Spirit. When that happens, it will change your nature. And, and when you experience anything other than that, you will, you will walk away not knowing how to pinpoint it, but you will say, your heart will say, your soul will say, I am not satisfied. There must be more. Am I talking to you? And, and God, God wants that just as much as we do. And I want to describe something. I want to differentiate two words because most people don't understand the word glory and anointing. They don't understand the difference. There is a big difference and it's critical that we don't mix the two. Can I talk about that for a second? God's anointing 
and God's glory are completely opposite. Now, here's what the anointing is. It empowers a man or a woman for a task. Do you, do you, ever, you ever see somebody? <laughs> I'll use the children's ministry for an example. You know when the anointing is not there for you to help with the children. An anointing, you ever see two different people do one thing and you know one is graced to do that thing and the other is not? Come on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You work with people like that. They, they got, anointing means uh, to be uh, set apart for something. That's what, back in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would take a horn or a flask of oil and pour it on someone, namely a prophet would do that. They would pour it on an individual and that person would become anointed for a specific task. You have heard anointed preachers. You've heard preachers that are not anointed. Preachers who are not anointed, you think to yourself, I wish they would shut up. And, and others can go for an hour and you can just sense the Lord in the room doing something. That person would be anointed. Does that make sense? Anointed to do something. But that also translates into your job, what you do as a calling, etc. Could be watching kids. It could be washing dishes at, you know, China One. But that's, that's anointing. Say anointing. So, so in essence, the anointing empowers a man or woman of God to equip a person or empower them to get a specific task done or to carry out God's will for certain something. And that could be within the church or outside of the walls. Are you following me? In essence, it amplifies a person say amplifies. It, it, it like you can see somebody anointed and the spirit of God will come upon them and they'll prophesy. They're anointed. The anointing comes on them in a moment. And then the anointing can lift and it be gone. And they no longer be able to function with that same level of intensity. Does that make sense? That's when the anointing lifts. Or if they talk too much or do something too much and you quench the Holy Spirit, the anointing will lift. But God's glory is all the, uh, altogether different. Never mix these two up. The anointing will essentially amplify the man or woman of God that in a way that they could not accomplish that thing in their own ability. But the glory shuts you up. And we will get to understand this a little bit more as services continue. It's a little funny, but the glory will quiet you. The glory... Okay, I said it like this. The glory of God will quiet you up. The anointing, I'll say it like this, the anointing amps you up. The glory incapacitates you. I read it right here. It says, it says, the house of the Lord, say the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. The glory is the highest level of God's expression without killing us as humans. Does that make sense? Remember when God, Moses says, I want to see you face to face. And God says, you cannot see me because if any man sees me, it'll kill them. But I will let you see my backside. Do you remember that? And God covers Moses and just walks by him because Moses said, show me your glory. Somebody say, show me your glory. Yes. 
Here's what the anointing does. The anointing, will anoint, the anointing will come upon a man or woman to speak into other men and women's lives and empower them and equip them. But the glory can do, it only works on its own. It doesn't partner with man. God's glory does not partner with man. It gets the job done without human help. This is what changed my life. Yes, getting in the anointing did. Yes, hearing teachings did. But the, what the glory of the Lord will do, it will do such a deep work in a human heart. And here's what it does. The glory of God, when it's released in a room and you can sense the Lord in a room, it will do in a moment what the anointing cannot do for years. It will do what no amount of teaching or religiosity can do in years. And I believe that God is raising up a generation that is hungry for the highest level of God's expression, which is an outpouring of the glory of God in the earth. And do you know, you know how I know this is true? It's because in the Bible, in the, in the Old Testament, do you know it says that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And I believe that we are entering into an era where God's glory is going to be poured out in such a way that you will understand God without even people having to explain him to you. And the Bible says that. Quote everything and check everything I'm telling you. Because if I say anything that's outside of this word, it is null and void. But you know what the Bible says? That there will come a day, Rick, there will come a day, Stephanie, that, 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 that the knowledge of the glory of God will so fill people, we won't have to be taught the word, taught the Lord in our, by somebody else. God will himself dwell among a people and teach them. You ready for this? Now, I'm not saying we don't need pastors and preachers because we do. But the Bible says there will come a day where no one will say, know the Lord, for all shall know that for all will know the Lord. No one will say, know the Lord. Am I teaching the Bible this morning? For all shall know that I am he. That's what the Bible says. And the glory has the ability to teach you about his nature. Are you tracking me this morning? Is that too spooky and spiritual? Once you've really tasted of him, Dean, once we've tasted really of the Lord, nothing else will satisfy. And I believe that God wants to express himself through the body of Christ at the highest level possible. And I believe that our meetings, these meetings can look like that. I really truly believe that. I, I truly believe, now how does that look like? Yes, God doesn't dwell in temple made with hands. We get that. But one thing that I found in this scripture is that there's something we must do to prepare ourselves is that these guys first sanctified themselves. You know what I believe is returning to the church? Is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Knowing that he sees what the pastor doesn't see. God sees. You remember when I was telling you about I was trying to get change for that big large bill? Nobody would have known. I would have still been obedient in the tithe. But my heart wouldn't have been right if I did anything but that. And the Lord sees. The Lord sees what goes on behind closed doors. He sees the way we treat our children. He sees the way we treat our spouses. He sees that. 
And we cannot make ourselves holy apart from he who is holy. We need him who is holy dwelling on the inside of our hearts to become holy, to become like him. But God is looking for this, a holy nation and a pure people so that he can come and dwell. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Oh God. There are times... Let's say I'm dealing with a customer. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to cut a corner or, I'm, or something happens. And people ask me, even in men's meetings, you know, how do you not look at women? And I think to myself, how could I? How, how could I quench the Holy Spirit in, in my life? It's not, it's not hard. Holiness is not hard. What's hard to me is knowing that I do something or engage in something and look upon something that would hurt my master's heart. That's hard on me. I remember, I remember it was over a decade ago, well over a decade. I might've been in my late teens. I'm not saying this to, to diminish anyone or to, uh, or to gloat at all. I want to tell you, I was reeling over this thing. I was probably 22. I'm now 37. I remember I slipped and my hand landed on a branch and I said the D word. I mean, I cried for three days. Many of you would be like, well, you should have heard what I said last week. But God was doing such a thing. That was the last time I ever said it. I felt, and it wasn't, it's because what you may say to him may grieve in a different way. I knew I grieved him because I knew where I was at with him. And I knew that, you know, I fell and cut my hand, said the D word. You know the D word. It's like, you know, the beaver thing. Yes, that. But I could sense I quenched the Holy Spirit. I, I, I just, I knew it. I, I knew it. And I, and I never had said it again. I was so, I was broken. I cried for three days, almost went on a fast. I asked the Lord, am I saved? It, it, was like a, it was like a spouse who cheated on their husband or wife. It, I, was, I was so, I knew I, I knew I hurt the Lord. I knew I hurt him. And what I desire is a company of people who are, have the fear of the Lord, who, 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 who sanctify themselves and say, what, yes, it's going to be hard to get rid of some things in our lives. But you know why God asks for those things? Not to take fun away. I'm having the funnest time of my life. I am not missing those parties. I'm not missing any club. I'm not missing any of that, the drinking and the partying and the, all that stuff that comes with all of that. I have something much more precious. And when you come to a place where you really truly taste him, I'm not condemning anybody who, who, who experiences that, but what I am saying, when you taste of something truly good, you will not need the things of this world because he has something that, he has something that actually satisfies. Have you had those things? I'm sure many of you have. I have. Did it ever satisfy? Every Friday, every Saturday, it still doesn't satisfy. You finally meet the budget or you get that amount in your bank account, it still doesn't satisfy. You get the girl, you get the guy, you get the house, and you even get the white picket fence, and it still doesn't satisfy. You get the career, you get your pastorate, you get the ministry opportunity. And let me tell you something. Up there, it still doesn't satisfy. He is the only one who can satisfy. 
Any dream that is, a, that is apart from our Lord Jesus Christ is nothing but a mirage. And it's like a, it looks like a stream. And once you finally get to it, it tastes like the desert. Because he's the only one who can satisfy. And I, I know this, is that once God truly comes, and I'm, I know he's here, but what I'm saying is when the weight of his glory comes, everything that's disjointed, out of line, that hurting, that hungry heart will be satisfied in a moment. And this is how we grow. Do you know what I believe? There's going to come a day, not just with this church, but many, many churches, that we will not be able to have the time because of what God is doing to counsel everybody. And I believe that the glory of the Lord is going to do what no pastor or ministry team leader can do. I believe, I believe that this is going to spawn. We're going to have this expression on Sunday morning, but this church will be comprised of many different home churches. I really believe that. I decree that. I was driving in my car and I felt the spirit of the Lord come upon me. And he said, this is going to be one of the heartbeats of the church is that they will be meeting in many different homes. And on Sunday, we will come to celebrate what God is doing in the homes. And he will be expressing himself through small groups, through community, praying for one another, people, the sick being healed in the homes like the early church, the Acts church. And we get here and we celebrate what God has done all week long. There'll be fellowship. There'll be community. There'll be prayers being offered. And you won't need pastor to go visit you in the hospital because you're 10 or 15 of you who've been meeting throughout the week. You're going to be meeting each other's needs. That's the body of Christ at work. That's the body. The head doesn't do all the work. You know the way that I could best serve people? is get into my prayer closet and serve the Lord and minister to the Lord and make sure that we all go in that place together. The best way to serve you is not to remember your birthday or to meet with you every time you call me. The best way that I could serve you, remember this, never forget that I said this, the best way that I could minister to the needs of the people is ministering to his needs until he comes and dwells among a company of people. That is true service in the ministry. Otherwise, all the other stuff burns you out and makes you not want to do it. Amen. I sense the Lord in the room. The glory of the Lord, listen to me, does not come by happenstance. You're not going to wake up one day and be like, man, the Lord's presence is just in my life so richly. It doesn't come by accident. You will know just how it came. By consecrating yourself to the Lord, separating yourself unto him. Notice that one, if I could backtrack four chapters earlier. Are you tracking me? Four chapters earlier, God speaks to Solomon. May I read it? In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 5 through 12. I'm going to skip through a lot of it. I don't believe it's going to be up on the screen. It says this. Is that Solomon was sacrificing, and the assembly sought him there. This is verse 5. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar. What's the altar? What happens at the altar? Sacrifice. Come on, say it. What happens at the altar? Say it again. Sacrifice. He sacrificed at the bronze altar before the Lord, which is at the tabernacle of meeting, meaning the church, say the church. And on that night, 
after the sacrifice, notice this, that God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask with exclamation point. After the sacrifice, God shows up and he says, ask, ask what? What shall I give you, Solomon? And Solomon said to him, you have shown great mercy to my father David and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David and my father be established for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Now watch what he asked him. Don't ask him for a career. He says, now give me wisdom and knowledge that I might go in and out before these people for who can judge these great people of yours. He's asking God, how do I manage your people? How do I get you to come and visit these people, touch these people? How can I, how can I best minister to them is what he's saying. And then God said to Solomon, Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for riches nor wealth or honor in life or the, or the life of your enemies, but you've asked for wisdom and knowledge that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you nor shall any after you and the like. I want to give you a key that God gave me. You want the key? Give God what he wants before you ask him for what you want. That is so heavy. It's so heavy. When we come to Jesus, the first thing we do is we give him our wish list. I'm called to do this. Can you make it happen? I want this kind of career. I need to make this kind of money. Why did God give Solomon his attention, his sacrifice? When he asks you for something, give it to him. God does take. He does but he only takes to bless in order to give back. But the main key in the kingdom is this. Never ask him first. Go to him and say, what do you want from me? What do you ask of your servant? And you give it to him. Here's what that did. Watch, watch how the, the scripture progresses because once Solomon gave to God what was in God's heart, which was what? God was always looking for a man or a woman to, to lead his people well. And when Solomon said, I just want to do right by your sight, he didn't ask him for wealth and all those things. He said, what do you want me to do? Empower me to do what you would desire me to do. And then God doesn't even, doesn't even say anything other than, I'm going to give you that and more now. You know what I, I believe? Sometimes the Lord will ask you what you want to see what you will ask. Excuse me, to see what you will ask of him. What do you want, Cheryl? What do you want, Stephanie? What do you want, Rick? What do you want? You know what I want? I want to see the glory of God among a people until, here's what happens, until God so comes and dwells amongst the people that they are conformed into the image of his son. Like I said, when I came out of that office this morning, I could hear the cries of the people. 
I could hear them praying. I can hear them singing to the Lord. That is like beautiful music to my ears. I said, that's what I'm looking for. A company of people that are hungry. A company of people that are thirsty. A company of people that are willing to give up anything just to have him. How many want him this morning? I want to read this last scripture and I'm going to close. I'm glad you're not leaving. This is such a beautiful scripture that I'm about to read to you right now. How many can sense the Lord in the room moving in your hearts? So let let me just underline a few things. God watches what we sacrifice, what you're willing to give up. He needs us to be sanctified, which means set apart. He's looking for a holy people. Holy, holiness is not overrated. It's underrated. And we will not be able to fully see the Lord nor experience him without holiness, without purity. And here's another qualification for the glory of God. We must hunger. We must hunger. I want to ask you something this morning. Are you really hungry for the Lord? Are you really and truly hungry for the Lord? Are you hungry? Watch what Luke's gospel says. Now I'm going to the New Testament. I'm I'm treading north. Luke chapter 9. Last scripture of the morning. And in verse 28 through 36, I'm going to read it. Such a beautiful scripture. It says, Now and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that that Jesus, he, Jesus, took Peter, James, and John, and he went up to the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, his appearance appeared, that he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. Sound familiar? The priest's robes were white. But his garments, Jesus' garments, say Jesus' garments, became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in what? And what? Yes. Who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease. He was talking about his death and going to the cross, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw what? They saw what? What did they see? They saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Look at this mistake. Watch this mistake. Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make here three tabernacles. One for you, here's the mess up. One for Moses and one for Elijah. Let us make a tabernacle. A tabernacle is a place of worship. Let us make one, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said, but listen, while he was speaking, what came? What came? Come on, say it with me. What came? A cloud overshadowed them. And it said, 
This is my beloved son. Hear him. Exclamation point. Now watch this. Watch this. Peter, James, and John, they see Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Now Moses, for those of you who are, don't understand this picture, Moses and Elijah have been gone for thousands of years. Elijah, at least hundreds. They're gone. They're deceased. But they're talking with Jesus about Jesus's, but Moses represents one thing and Elijah represents another. Do you know what that is? Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. Say Moses represents the law and Elijah represents what? The prophets, the law and the prophets. But watch this. So they direct their attention to two other men and then the cloud overshadows them and tries to correct their mistake by saying, this is my beloved son. In other words, what business do you have mentioning other men other than my son? This is my beloved son. Hear him. And when the voice ceased, when the voice ceased, who was left? There was no one left, but Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet because of that glory. And no one told no one in those days of anything they had seen. So notice that God himself was trying to redirect their attention. Listen, if you direct your attention to the wrong things other than Jesus, his glory will not come. Not in your life or this church. We have to keep our eyes and our gaze on Jesus I want you to stand to your feet for just a moment. I want to say something to you. And I believe this is completely the Lord. This is beautiful. This is beautiful what God did because God was trying to redirect their attention. And normally, normally, God only announces when he comes. You're going to have a child, Mary. And you shall call his name Jesus. He goes to the shepherds. He goes to the wise men, announces Jesus is coming. Am I talking the Bible this morning? God always announces his coming. He announces big things. When he gives you a word, he announces it. When he's going to do something great in your life, he announces it, right? And then it takes a while. And then you're like, did you really say that? Right? Watch this. He was merciful in this statement. Because he's given them a chance to correct their misconduct. Are you tracking me what I'm saying right now? Because God knows that if there's misconduct in his glory, the glory will lift. If your attention is on the wrong things, when you're walking with the Lord, his presence will lift. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying this morning? And God always announces when he's going to come. Now watch this. What I found, I found this in ministry. I found this in my own personal life. I found this in ministers that I've walked with that have fallen. In ministers who used to have the glory over their life and it's no longer there. He announces when he comes, but he doesn't announce when he leaves. He won't say, I'm leaving. And then you wake up one day. Then you wake up one day and you look to your right and you try to feel to the left 
this is why people backslide because they don't understand why he leaves. He lifts. It's not a heaven and hell issue. I'm talking about on this side of heaven. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, when we insult the Holy Spirit, when we, when we build monuments around movements, when we begin to glorify worship teams or we glorify things that are other than Jesus, when we try to build tabernacles for things that God doesn't want us to build a tabernacle around, a career, a spouse, a child, a desire, a calling, and you give attention to that thing, the glory will lift because he shares his glory with no man. Not your child, not your calling, not your 401k, nothing. Only Jesus. And I believe that that's what God is doing. He's redirecting the body of Christ's eyes to get off of even ministry. Even churches and buildings and things that we've, we've built. You know why we need fog lights? Because we've lost the real glory. We've lost the real thing. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.